examine our lives, guided by the Holy Spirit of God. Because if I examine my life according to my own standards, folks, I'm, well, I'm doing great. And if I, and, and if I examine my, my life compared to my wife's standards of me, then I might be doing a little bit less as good, you know. But if I stand, examine my life based upon God's Word, I find, well, i got a lot to work on, okay. And that's, that's what we have to do today. How often do we allow the world around us to creep into our lives? How, long, how often do we allow the culture of this world into our, not only our lives, into our families, but into our church? How often does that happen? And it's not like it comes in and boom, it's here, we're here. No, it happens gradually, a little bit here, a little bit there, a little bit more, a little more, a little more. And before long, at the last verse we just read, they did it. Their children did it, and their children's children began to do it. But what you're going to find out is what your children's children are doing is far worse than what you would ever have done because of that compromise that takes place. And that's what we need to recognize today. Too often we mingle the ways of God with the ways of the world, and we do so because, we, oh, I want to be relevant. Oh, I don't want to be a hater. I don't want to be called judgmental. Y'all heard that? Oh, don't judge me, right? Folks, we cannot compromise the Word of God. And if that causes me to be labeled as a hater or as, a, as being judgmental, then so be it. So be it. We need to follow what God's Word says. See, the Bible is very clear that God's ways and the world's ways, God's ways and my ways, they don't mix. They don't mix. Isaiah 55, 8, 9 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And so we must make sure that what we are doing is supported by the Word of God. All our actions, all our statements, they're supported by the Word of God. And we're not just following what so-and-so said, or we're not just doing what the church down the road is doing. There's a difference there. There's a big difference. And we have to understand that. See, that's how Satan over time draws us to compromise with the ways of the world. It happens over time. He doesn't bring in this big sin, boom, there it is. No, he brings in all these little compromises that we would never do, but then our children's children, oh, that's, that's a, nothing wrong with that. And that's what we've got to be very careful about. And so how do we overcome this? How do we guard against this in our lives and in our churches? Well, I'm going to talk about the very first thing, and that's it. There's more to it. But I want to talk about the very first thing that has to be present and that this passage of Scripture that we're dealing with here deals with. And that is very simply, and and, and Al Max's class, they almost began to preach my message, so I'm, I'm glad they, you know. But it talks about the fear of the Lord must be present in our lives. The fear of the Lord. 
fear of the Lord. Now, in our text today, in, in, in 2 Kings, in that 25th verse, just to give a little, little background here of what's been taking place, the king of Assyria had gone through, and pretty much by, by chapter 17, he is tired, he wipes out the northern kingdom, hauls them all away. There's still a little bit, little, little bit of, 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 the, of Jewish people here and there scattered throughout, but the vast majority he takes away, and he brings in all these other nations into the ten tribes that are up north. And it's these ten tribes that are there now that is what's taking place here. The, the ten tribes have, have been scattered throughout Assyria and other places, and now those that have been brought in, this, this is what takes place, beginning in that 25th verse. And it says, And so it was at the beginning of their dwelling there that they feared not the Lord. So the beginning of their dwelling, these new inhabitants had just been brought in by the king of Assyria to these ten northern tribes. They knew nothing about God. They didn't fear God. They went about their business, doing everything they were doing. So it says, Therefore the Lord sent lions among them, which slew some of them. Wherefore they spake to the king of Assyria, saying, The nations which thou hast removed and placed in cities of Samaria know not the manner of the God of the land. Therefore he has sent lions among us, and behold, they slay them, because they know not the manner of the God of the land. Now this is interesting right here. The first thing we see that the Lord begins to do with these new inhabitants, they don't know who God is. The first thing the Lord begins to do is what? Bring in a fear of the Lord. He allows the lions to come in. Now we know in the Scripture there's two lions mentioned in Scripture, right? The Lion of Judah, that's Christ. And that roaring lion that tries to destroy everybody, the devil. Okay? Well, in this situation, when we, when we look at this, God has allowed these lines to come in so that these people can begin to recognize who God is. It's a good thing. There has to be a fear of the Lord. And so he does this to teach these new occupiers of the land of Israel. They, they need to know that these, these new inhabitants, that they're receiving God's blessings, but yet they're not even aware of it. They're living in homes. Now, this sounds familiar, doesn't it? They're living in houses they didn't build. They're, they're reaping crops they didn't grow. Does that sound familiar? What nation came in to this land and did that? The, the Jews did, right? The nation of Israel did. But now God is just because they're rejecting him, he has turned the tables on them. And now it's happening to them. And so they're enjoying the blessings, yet without acknowledging the Lord who blessed the land. And so God sent lions in their midst. And so the key here is the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord. Now we know in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7, it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Now, that word knowledge is not the knowledge we think, oh, I just get smart, go to school, and do all the, I get all this worldly knowledge out there, right? That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about knowledge of the Almighty, 
knowledge of God, of who He is. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of that knowledge of who God is. It's that genuine knowledge of who God is that will lead us to genuine salvation in Christ. This is the knowledge being spoken of here. But then the last part of that same verse says, but the fools despise wisdom and instruction. They, were, they, they despise the things of the God of this earth, the true Lord God. They despise those things. And so we have to understand the fear of the Lord, the true fear of the Lord in your life and in my life is where we, we begin to humble ourselves, even as believers, as Christians. We begin to humble ourselves so that we can hear from the Lord. So we, we can be taught by His Word. But you know what? If we don't have the fear of the Lord, then we won't have ears to hear or eyes to see. That's why it's so important here to have that fear of the Lord. And again, it's the fool that despises those things of God. Exodus 18 verse 21 says, Moses here was, was giving out leadership to, among the people, dividing them up. And he says, Moreover, thou shalt provide out of all the people able men, such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness, and place them over them, rulers of thousands and of hundreds and of fifties and of tens. What was the first thing God listed? Fear of God. That's the first thing. Why? Leaders that fear the Lord are going to make sound decisions, biblical decisions. They're not, they're not worried about what, what can I get out of it. They're worried about was it, is it going to stand God's test because they know that they're going to be answering to Him. And see, that's the issue here. The fear of God does that in people's lives. See, those that fear the Lord will do what is right because they know that the God they are serving demands holiness. They know that. And they're afraid to do anything other, other than that. That's why it's so important. A fear of the Lord. See, they understand that they have been set apart by God. We've been going through the Old Testament here, and, and you look at the nation of Israel to be, to be the high priest, set apart, had to be in the line of Aaron. To work in the temple and around the temple, all these things had to be the tribe of Levi. See, these were set apart by God. You just couldn't pick and choose, oh, I'll be a priest today. No. To be a king, you had to be set apart by God. Look at us today. God calls us as his children, heirs of Christ. We are what? We are set apart for a purpose that God has for us in our lives. That's what's important here. To be they, someone who fears the Lord understands they have been set apart. And there can't be any mixing and mingling with the world. 
And so God here is using lions to teach these new inhabitants of who he is. And now we know 1 Peter 5.8, we're told, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil as a roaring lion walks about seeking whom he may devour. Now we know for a fact that Satan can only do what God allows him to do. If you ever read the book of Job, you find that out. Okay? But how many times does God say, all right, Satan, go ahead, take care of that person because of sin in our lives, because we've lost the fear of God. Now, don't assume that because you have the fear of God and you're walking right, right with God that Satan won't do, God won't go all right, Satan, what about, what about your servant Mark over here or Teresa over there like they did with Job? See, we can't become so arrogant and think that, oh, no, God is God. And those that have a true fear of the Lord will respond correctly when, those, when that lion comes, okay? And so we have to ensure that we don't give Satan the opportunity, a foothold in our lives, because if we do because of sin in our lives, I guarantee you Satan's going to get a foothold in there and he's going to start biting and start devouring. That's what he does. And then we have no ground to stand on other than, oh, Lord, forgive me. And then we've got we to suffer the consequences of sin. And so here the Lord is, telling, is letting these people know that, hey, I am the God of this land. You realize it's interesting that these people, they understood that they know not the manner of the God of the land. They understood that. They understood that. I wish we today would understand, would understand who owns this land and who we owe allegiance to in this, in this, in this country. Unfortunately, many churches don't even recognize that anymore. But they understood that. But now we've got to be careful. This fear of the Lord, it needs to be a genuine fear and not a false fear. We're going to find out with, this, with, with these people in verse 27 that the fear of the Lord must not be false. See, there are those out there that, oh, oh, look, this is happening. Oh, I, I, I need to come to church. What happened with 9-11? Church, a lot of churches were full. Six months later, they're all back doing their own, the same old thing they always did. Okay? It has to be a genuine, a genuine fear of the Lord. 27 says, Then the king of Assyria commanded, saying, Carry hither one of the priests whom ye brought from thence, and let them go and dwell there, and let them teach them the manner of the God of the land. Wow. They understood that it was God that was doing this. But instead of turning to God, they turned to the king of Assyria. They turned to the things of this world. And so the priest was sent. 
by the king of Assyria. You know what? God took and exiled these people because they weren't following God, and then they will bring one of these priests that God kicked out back in. See, that's the way the world operates. It's not the way God operates. It's the way the world operates. Man continues to follow man's ways. They just put a fresh twist on it. Oh, well, look what the church down the road is doing. Man, they're, they're really, God's really blessing them. Let's do the same thing. Let's, let's, let's follow what they're doing. Folks, we can't do that. We can't do that. We can't be involved that way. Because what happens here is that these ancient peoples, they were aware that it was God doing this, bringing the lions. And they asked the right question that we don't know what to do. We don't know who the God of this land, who this land is, but they asked the wrong person. They asked the wrong per- person for help. See, that's, that's the problem. And so you know what happens? They brought this priest back in. I'm going to get a little, a little bit ahead of myself. But they brought this priest back in. He taught them all the rituals. But he didn't teach who those rituals pointed to. It was just religion they were doing. And nothing about a relationship. They failed to teach them the truth of those rituals and the Christ that they pointed to. And you see in verse 29 of our text, 29, it says, Howbeit every nation made gods of their own and put them in the houses of the high places which the Samaritans had made every nation in their cities wherein they dwelt. Oh, we'll, we'll, we'll go to the temple and do what we got to do there, but then we're going to do our own thing on the high places. We're going to do our own thing on the high places. What we see here is nothing more than a mingling together of the ways of man and the ways of God. 2 Corinthians 6, 14-17 says this, Be not unequally yoked together. You know how many times I hear, I've, I've heard Christians come up, or a guy or a girl come up and say, Oh, I know God's leading me to marry this man or this woman, and they're not a Christian. Oh, I just feel it's right. Unequally yoked together. Folks, that's that's what it means. Don't be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? What part hath he that believeth with an infidel. And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God, as God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, now here's the key, come out from among them and be ye separate. Be ye separate. That, that, that does not mean come back and let's go be hermits on the mountain. That's not what it's talking about. 
It means don't allow the culture, don't allow the ways of the world affect your walk with Christ. You be light. You be salt, regardless of what it may cost you. You honor the Lord God who saved you and died for you. Stop compromising with the world. And it goes on. It it didn't stop there. Be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. And I'll receive you. Now. We always hear, and and be separate, and do these things. But then it goes on, and touch not. The unclean, un, unclean thing. Hmm. Well, I wonder. I just touched the flower. Was that drastic? Was that? I can touch a bunch of stuff, right? The Lord God is saying, don't even touch the unclean things. I just touch a bunch of things. That's how contagious sin is. Don't even touch it. As a child of God, don't touch it. See, now we're talking about the fear of the Lord now. A false fear of the Lord in a Christian's life. I'm talking a genuine believer who has lost that fear of the Lord in their life because of the style, the things that they're doing and how they're living. A false fear of the Lord many times leads us to sin. Why? Because it leads us, oh, I can touch that. I can handle this. That's not a problem. We compromise with the way of the world. Now, for those that are not Christians, that are not followers of Christ, like we're looking at these folks in this passage of Scripture, who had a false fear of the Lord, what that does, it results in them not becoming a child of God. Their their result is hell itself. Or as a child of God, when we start begin to lose the fear of the Lord and start to compromise these things, we lose rewards in heaven. We lose a lot of we lose a lot of things. But again, we got to be very careful here. Verse thirty-two of our text in thirty-three, it says, "So they feared the Lord." Okay, hey, they feared the Lord, right? And made unto themselves of the lowest of them priests of the high places. Wait a second. If they're they're fearing the Lord, they're truly fearing the Lord, then why are they not following his word? We have churches today. I know this church had to make some hard decisions and made some good decisions. But even in Southern Baptist life, we, for the first time, have had to put churches out for having women as pastors. Folks, the Bible is very clear. Women can do any ministry in Scripture except pastor a church, in my opinion, and be a deacon. 
Those two positions are designed, are, are designed for men to be at. Why? I don't know. God said it. <laughs> okay? Paul gives an ex- explanation. He says it was Eve who was deceived, not Adam. But we, we cannot compromise with the world just because, well, the rest of the world's doing it. All these other churches are doing these things. So what? Stay faithful to the Word of God. That's what's important. And here they were. They feared the Lord, but yet they made those of the lowest priests of the high places. Which sacrificed for them in the houses on the high places. They feared the Lord and they served their own gods after the manner of the, of the nations that were carried away from him. See, they feared the Lord and yet they served their own heathen deities. You know what that tells me? They were afraid of the consequences of their sin, they were afraid of the lions. They wanted relief from the lions. And so if, we, if they can get relief from their sin and still hold on to it over here, hey, then, then they're doing good. And that's, 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 what they, that's what they saw. Their heart was far from God. They simply wanted relief from the lions. You know what Spurgeon calls this? He calls this a sham conversion. A sham conversion. And the same thing still happens today. When a person goes through a hard time, they lose a loved one, they have divorce, there's bankruptcy, some kind of situation that just they hit rock bottom. They oh, I got to get back to the church. I got to get back to the Lord. And then as soon as those things are alleviated, oh well, I'm good now. I can go back and play with, do all the things I've been doing. That's why it says, "Be ye separate, and touch not." The unclean things. You can't be separate and still play with the un- unclean things. Because if you're doing that, you don't have the fear of the Lord that's required. You see here, they were being devoured by the roaring lion, and they cried out for relief, but they weren't crying out for forgiveness. They turned to the king of Assyria instead of turning to the king of kings. And that's the difference today. They fear the Lord in the sense of being afraid of the consequences, yet there's no change in their lifestyle, no change in their heart. You see, true repentance is the result of a genuine fear of the Lord in a person's life. And that brings about a change in one's life. They go from this direction, now they're going this direction. Repentance is a 180-degree turn. And things change. Because they have a fear of the Lord. They fear God above everything else. That's what's important. That's what you see. Verse 34 of our text, it says, Unto this day they do after their former manners. They fear not the Lord. Oh, now they're not fearing the Lord at all, right? That's what happens. You can have a fear of the Lord to get out of those consequences, but as soon as those things are relieved and you're 
going to life, life, life easy again, you go back to your old things because there's no genuine fear of the Lord. There's, it didn't lead you to God's instructions, to God's wisdom. And that's the difference. If you hear the Lord only because you're being bitten by the lion, once that problem is done away, you're no longer fearing. That's why Peter here, he pleads with, with, with the Christians. In 2 Peter 1 verse 10 says, Wherefore, the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, we shall never fail. Ah, folks, that, that's a scary verse right there. Oh, I fear the Lord. being separate? Are you refusing to touch the unclean things? If you're not, I hope you're really saved. That's between you and God. I can't tell you, give you an answer. Only way we can check is the fruit that's being bare on, on, on the branches. So make sure you're saved and not just responding to the growl of the lion. That's getting closer. Make sure your heart is toward the Lord. Wonder why we sin? We sin because we love ourselves more than we love the Lord. We fear those around us more than we fear the Lord. That's why we sin. Whoever you love the most or fear and fear the most, you're going to do what they say. That's the truth. That's the truth. All these sins people commit, wherever, whatever they are, it's because they love themselves. They love the sin more than they love their spouse, more than they love their family, more than they love their job. That's why this sin destroys them. And they don't have a fear of the Lord. That's going to judge them. See, it's this self-love that leads to a lack of the fear of the Lord. That's what it is. But now, a genuine fear of the Lord leads to what, according to verse 37 of our text, it leads to obeying the statutes and the ordinances and the law and the commandments which he wrote for you. Ye shall observe to do forevermore, and ye shall not fear other gods. And the covenant that I have made with you, ye shall not forget, neither shall ye fear other gods. But the Lord your God ye shall fear, and he shall deliver you out of the hand of your enemies. See, those that truly fear the Lord will understand they can no longer be touching these unclean things that, are, that the world says is okay. That says evil is now good and good is now evil. We're not going to be touching these things at all. want nothing to do with them. 
But according to verse 40, this group that was here, how be it, they did not hearken, but they did after their former manner. So these nations feared the Lord and served their graven images. Both their children and their children's children, as did their fathers. So do they continue to this day. So we have to understand that mixture of the world and the things of God always leads to disaster. What was the problem with the church when Jesus spoke to the churches in Revelation chapters 2 and 3? What was the problem with Laodicea? He says in Revelation 3, 15 to 16, I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. They weren't cold and they weren't hot. They weren't totally against God and they were not on fire for the Lord. But they were nice and lukewarm and, oh, I was, I was getting along with that group. I get along with this group. I get along with everybody. Everybody likes me and I like everybody. I can have this, this little part in my life and I have that little part. Oh, but I can, still, I can still go out and tell people about Jesus. Usually they don't do that part. And it says, so then, because thou art lukewarm, neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. See, the lack of the fear of God makes it easy for us to allow the ways of the world into our lives. It's okay to touch those unclean things, which are often seen in our entertainment, what we watch. What we read, music we listen to, are they honoring to God? We can, quote, we can quote these things faster than we can quote our Bible verses. I mean, after all, we would, I would never do those things in, in, in my house, but it's okay to watch what TV says is okay. Yet we readily bring them into our homes. These unclean things, we touch them, we play with them, and we think nothing of them. Why? Because we've lost the fear of the Lord in our lives. That's why. And Satan also knows that what we allow in our homes today, our children will begin to do. And our children's children will definitely be doing it. It's a ladder step downward. Satan knows that one generation does the next, knows that what one generation does, the next generation takes as the gospel truth. To the point of rejecting Christ altogether. We've got to be, we've got to be on, we have to be on guard with that. If it doesn't bring honor and glory to, the God, to God, then why are we even investing our time with it, listening to it, watching it, reading it? It's because we've lost that fear of the Lord. 
das Ganze. Oh Lord God, we just come before you and Heavenly Father. I do hope and I do pray that we will be able to examine our homes, examine the things in our homes, in our lives. And if they don't bring glory to you, that we will get rid of them. We will separate ourselves from them. Completely. Lord, we have to stand on your promises and not the things of this world. 